0: Please take a moment to let us know by emailing us at media at bushland.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by visiting thechurchatbushland.com slash give.
1: Well, hello. How's everybody doing? Well, it is my uh, privilege and honor to get to be here with you uh, this morning. Before I start, I want to say we, we flew in last night, And we've already gotten to meet several of the staff and have gotten to be with Jeff and Melissa and Mark and Heather. And this morning, Tommy picked us up. And of course, I know Paxton. And so, listen, I just want you to know, you guys have like the cream of the crop here. And so I just want to honor them. And, you know, my dad is a pastor. I grew up in ministry. And, And so... I know what it's like to be in the trenches, and I've been around a lot of churches. And so what you have here, I can personally say, is rare. And so uh, I just want to honor them and say thank you for letting me be here with you all. And and then on top of that, to get to be here for Father's Day, you know, uh, so uh, I'm married. My wife's name is Shelly. We have five children uh, my, uh, one of my daughters, Atlee, is right over here, seen by Heather, and she is a twin. Uh, her twin is back in Grapevine, where we live, and then we have two boys, and then about a year ago, we adopted a little girl from China, and so we have a full house. I have a handful, and I'm done, okay? <laughs> but I will tell you, um, before I was, I was a youth pastor, before I ever got into, before I ever was married the dream of being a dad was more real to me than getting married because I could, I could kind of comprehend that a little bit because my life was students. And so I love being a dad. And it's the being married and serving and loving my wife and my children, I believe is the highest calling that I have. My, I had a great dad. My dad loved the Lord, and I'm saying like he's dead. He's not, he's alive. But I had a, I, I had a great dad. He um, supported us. He was faithful. He was not perfect. We uh, butted heads a lot. Um, but he really showed me what God was like. And because of the way my dad was, I really, it was easy for me to understand God. And only you in here that didn't have a good dad Only you know that battle and that journey for you in being able to love and trust a perfect heavenly father when the earthly father that you saw didn't tell you he loved you every single time he saw you, that you felt like you had to earn his favor. And you now believe that the heavenly father is like that. And so it is a big deal to be a dad. And so before I even start, this is what I would like to do. If you are a father, uh, would you stand up And can we give you a round of applause? So if you're a dad, stand up. Okay. All right. Now, this is going to take a little time. I want to do this quickly. Stay standing. But if you are by, so everybody's going to move. So if you are by a dad that's standing, I want you to walk over, reach over, and I want you to put a hand on him because we're going to pray over these guys. Okay. Because godly men in this world are rare. And there's a world that wants to take you out because if he takes you out, men, he takes out a whole bunch of other people, okay? And so I just want to pray over you all, okay? So, Heavenly Father, we just come to you right now and Lord, I just lift up these dads to you. And Lord, every man that's standing, they represent a house. They represent a generation that's to come. And Lord, right now, I pray that you would fill that man with spiritual wisdom and understanding that's beyond his own abilities. Lord, that you would ignite in him a desire to honor you, a desire to honor and serve his family. Lord, that you would give him the ability, that you would strengthen him by your power, Holy Spirit, to live a godly life. That he, in the way that he lives, he would not be perfect, but Lord, that he would point his family to you, Jesus. And that his children would have a good picture of the perfect father by just the man that their dad wants to be. Lord, I pray for grace. I thank you that we're all a different place in our life and you're more patient with us than we are with ourselves. And Lord, I pray for maybe some dads in here that maybe have broken relationships with children. Lord, as they seek you, Lord, I pray that you'd begin to reconcile and that you'd begin to heal relationships. And Lord, for each person in this room, even that maybe have had a dad that hasn't been what they wanted him to be, Lord, I pray that they'd be able to see their father through your eyes, to love, to forgive, and to trust you. Lord, we love you, and we lift these men up to you in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. All right, you may be seated. <clears throat> well, I uh, told you I, I, have, I had a great dad. My dad was, he was a pastor. So when I would get in trouble, which was on a daily basis, I almost came to the point where I would just rather him pull out the belt than to actually go through a three-point lecture (laughs) of what I did wrong and then pull out scripture to back up his points. Let's just go ahead and get the licking done and, and move on. But my dad had sayings for like all kinds of stuff. Like, you know, if I was struggling with laziness that day, my dad would say something like, you will be tomorrow what you are today. I'm like, tomorrow what I am today. What he was saying was, you don't just one day all of a sudden can do stuff. What you're doing today, because I was lazy in school, you're working towards that. And then, of course, you'd have sometimes the corny ones, like if you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. You know, uh, if I wanted to quit, because there was times I played sports all the way through high school and college. If I wanted to quit, he'd say, son, there's no rest in quitting, only in finishing. When I disobeyed, he would say things like 99% obedience is 100% disobedience. There's no substitute for obedience, no matter what it is. There's no substitute for it. Well, there's a lot of principles in our home. My, my dad, if you've ever heard of the Strengths Finders, you know, where you take the test and figure out what your strengths are. My dad's number one, probably two, three, four, and five, was discipline. That's like number 37 on mine, discipline. But uh, we had, a, we had a, a rule in our home, and that was you, you don't drive other people's cars. So when we were getting to high school, one of the rules was you don't drive other people's cars. Well, one day, we were, it was actually the last day of my junior year in high school, some buddies and I decided to go four-wheeling, okay? You know, and we went down by the river. And this was back in the day, guys, where you still had to get out and lock the hubs, on your truck. And uh, so we went out. Well, I didn't have a, a vehicle, and, um, but we're out driving. And I'm going to try to make this story quick. The bottom line was a friend of mine, it was my best friend, he was driving his girlfriend's Jeep. And he went off the side of a ravine, and he was safe. But it got to the bottom, and it was totally, it was stuck. It was, tires were sunk. And somehow, in the whole situation, I ended up in the driver's seat, to get this out because we didn't want to call anybody because we were trespassing. And, you know, so we're going to do this ourselves. And let me just say, the end result of the whole situation was that the Jeep blew up. Like fireball of gas and oil was dropping down because we kept moving from first to reverse, trying to lurch this Jeep out of there. And uh, anyway, we all sat seven guys and the girl... Watching this Jeep burn to the ground. And that was the last day of my junior year. It was the first day of my vacation and the last day of my vacation that summer because (laughs) of what all had taken place. And I tell you that story because one of my dad's lines was this right here that I'm going to share with you. But we were driving home and I was giving some reason why I was breaking a principle in our home, which was don't drive someone else's vehicle. And as I'm trying to explain to him, he looked back and said, Son, We don't live our life based off circumstances. We live them based off principles. Now, how do you argue with a person that always has all these like statements? But that's a statement that somehow it sunk deep down in me, but I will tell you, it's a truth. And most people, they don't live that way. Most people live based off the circumstances of their life. And so they blow like a leaf in the wind. But my dad looked back at me and he said, Philip, you don't live your life based off circumstances. You live it based off principles. And there was a principle here and you broke it. And because of that, there's going to be a consequence. But what I want to talk to you about today is really what God's heart is for every single person once you become a believer in Christ. And it's not to live by your circumstances. Okay? So if you have your Bible, I'm actually going to give you two passages from Scripture where I come from. I'm, I, I'm at Gateway Church, and Pastor Robert Morris is our pastor, and he always leads by saying, Open your Bibles. I want you to go to two passages of Scriptures. So I'm going to stay with that. So what I want you to do is I want you to open up to Ephesians chapter 2, put a marker there, and then go to 2 Peter chapter 1. Okay? So Ephesians chapter 2. And then uh, put a marker there and go to 2 Peter. If you have your phone, just go to 2 Peter because that's where we're going to begin. 2 Peter chapter 1. All right, and we're going to look at a passage that I believe is um, what Jesus modeled to his disciples. Peter, of course, is is the disciple that Jesus looked at and said, Peter, your name means rock, and upon you I will build my church. And I believe here he is actually telling you this is how you grow, as a believer in Christ. Okay, so we're in Second Peter chapter one, okay, and uh, we'll start in verse three. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all this by coming to know Him, the One who called us to Himself by means of His marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. In view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Now, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but when you give your life to Christ, What happens? I mean, what really, I guess the word metaphysically, what actually happens to you when you give your life to Christ? Um, Have you ever thought when someone becomes a Christian, does it matter what you grew up in that you could possibly actually get over your circumstances? Could you actually be, are there some dispositions that we just will always have our whole life? Are there some addictions that just no matter what, well, this is just my lot in life. Well, this is just my family. This is who we are. Or could it be that when the Bible says that when you are in Christ, you actually become a new creation and literally when the Bible says that God has given you everything you need for a godly life, and if you have the English Standard Version or the New King James Version, it says he's given you everything you need for life and for godliness. Why? Because you get saved, you give your life to Christ, life still happens. Right? Doesn't mean it's going to be happily ever after. There are still things you're going to go through, but the Bible says that no matter what it is, God has given you everything you need. So if that's the case, how do I get it? So I'm going to have three points today, okay? There's three things we're going to cover. And the first one is this, number one, our nature. Okay, in this passage, it said that we can participate in his nature rather than our nature. Well, what is our nature? Well, before I get into it, let me just say this. I've already kind of given it to you. Our nature, our disposition is we go with our circumstances. What we feel and what we think in the moment, that's what rules us. Okay, and people can tell you all day long what they believe, but they do what they feel and think. Like, for example, someone will go, I know I'm supposed to forgive. But the reason why I don't forgive is because if you understood how she hurt me or what he did to me, you would know why I can't forgive them. Okay, that's living by your circumstance. Here's another one, you know, being in church my whole life. I know, I believe with all my heart that you're supposed to tithe. And I believe in giving. I do. But if you understood my financial situation right now and what we are going through, I've got right now more going out than there's coming in. So I just can't do that right now. That's living by your circumstances. A person can go, listen, I know the Bible says that divorce is wrong, but here's the situation. I mean, I could go through every circumstance and it is our nature. I'm not, there's no kind of, it is our nature that we go with our circumstances. And I'm gonna show you why here in just a second. There is a reason why it is our nature to go with how we feel and with how we think, okay? So Ephesians chapter two, I told you to turn there. Ephesians chapter two, this right here, the Bible is describing our predisposition before we come to Christ, all right? Ephesians two, starting verse one. Okay, and I'm actually gonna read this out of the English Standard Version because there's a, a word I wanna point out to you and that's what's gonna be up on the screen. Okay, Ephesians chapter two, verse one through five says this, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the, body and the mind. We are by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind, but God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses and our sins, made us alive together in Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Okay, now to explain what's going on here, what I got to do is I got to go back to the beginning. And in Genesis 1, the Bible says that when God created us, what did he create us in? In his image, in the image of God. Now, I don't know of you have ever thought about this, but God, there's several things about God, like God is eternal. Which way do you think that makes you? You're eternal. Okay, God is relational. There's a perfect relationship between God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Guess what that makes you? Relational. You were created for relationships, you're created for intimacy, to be known and to be known. Okay, I was a youth pastor for years and I always joke with teenagers about this whole relational thing. And I'd say, you know, you don't go to the mall to find clothes to protect yourself from the elements. You go because you're trying to find stuff because it's about relationships and you're concerned with what people are gonna see and, and, oh, that looks cute or that looks cool. Everything we do is about relationships because God's a relational God, you're relational. God is three in one. What do you think that makes you? You're three in one. You have a body, you have a soul, and you have a spirit. And according to Ephesians 2, what we just read, it says, you are born dead. No, you're not. You're right here. You got a pulse. And the Bible says that you're born dead and you're like the whole world. Everybody goes with their body and their soul. So if everybody's going at their body and their soul, what's the part of you when you're born that's born dead? Your spirit. Okay, I just passed it, but I want you to go back. Look at this verse in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. It says, Now may the God of peace make you holy in every way, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless Until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. There's all three parts of you. But I said body, soul, and spirit. I think that's because that's the way we all said it. But I want you to know that's not how God looks at it. God looks at it. Most important is spirit, soul, and body. And when God created us, he actually created you to be led by that first part, your spirit. So then when Adam and Eve are in the garden... And they eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And in that day they eat of it, they will surely die. When they ate of it, did they die? Yes, they didn't die physically, but their spirit died. So that was the miracle, by the way, in John, when Jesus raises from the dead and he enters that that room on resurrection Sunday on that evening and he enters the room and it says he opens his mouth and breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. That was when the disciples, when their spirits came to life. So here's, so this is the conversation that J- J- Jesus is having with Nicodemus. And Nicodemus is a religious man. He does everything you're supposed to do. And he says to Jesus, how do I get to see the kingdom of heaven? And he looks at him and goes, Nicodemus, you got to be born again. And he goes, what do you mean? Climb back in my mother's womb when I'm old? And Jesus goes, no, you goof. And he doesn't, he doesn't say that. But he says, he says, no, Flesh gives birth to flesh. Spirit gives birth to spirit. You must be born of water and of spirit. Now, ladies, when you delivered your babies, what broke for you to deliver them? Your water. Every single one of us, we were born of water. But when you're born of water, your condition, your nature is this. You have a a body that's alive, you have a mind, you have your, your emotions, your will that's alive. And then you have a spirit that is dead because of what happened in the garden. And the Bible's is just saying to Nicodemus, Nicodemus, there's supposed to be a point in your life where your spirit comes back to life. That's the part that's made alive. Okay, so because of this, our body is what we feel. Our mind is what we think. Because we're in this condition where our spirits are dead, what does everybody go with? how they feel and how they think. So here's what happens. Here's the metaphysical part is when you say, Jesus, I need you. And I ask you to forgive me of my sin. And I want you to rule. And I want to have a new life in you. And so Jesus, would you come into my life and be my Lord? Here's what happens. According to Romans chapter 8, 11, the Holy Spirit, it says, just like on Easter morning, when the Holy Spirit rushed into the tomb, And resurrected Jesus' dead body and brought him back to life, the exact same thing happens. The Holy Spirit comes rushing into the tomb of your mortal body and brings your dead spirit back to life. So now you have a new spirit or your spirit is alive. This is spiritual life. And now for the very first time in your life, you've been given everything you need for life and godliness. You now can go with the spirit rather than going with how you feel and think. So in that moment, your spirit is made whole. Are you guys with me so far? So this is our nature. We have a body, we have a soul, we have a spirit. Before we are in Christ, our whole life, we went with how we felt and thought, no matter what the trouble was, what the temptation, in the moment, I feel something, I think something, and so I do. It rules me, it causes me to have fear, anxiety, worry, and it robs me of what I want, peace, wholeness. And I just think when I'm in a circumstances, oh, if the Lord would just heal my mom, I'd have peace, I'd have wholeness. If I could just get a new job and I could get a financial increase, then we'd have peace, wholeness. And here's the thing, our nature, we think peace comes from things and God wants you to know peace comes from him. He is the Prince of Peace, he is wholeness. So my nature is, I wanna go with how I feel and think, but then, okay, God's nature, this is number two. So put God's nature, if you're taking notes. Number one was our nature. Two, God's nature. What is God's nature? I mean, in the Old Testament, you have all the Hebrew names of God. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals. Uh, Jehovah Makedesh, the Lord who sanctifies. Uh, Jehovah Rohi, the Lord, my helper. Uh, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides, the Lord who sees. Uh, He is holy, he is faithful. The fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. I literally have to sing this song in my head as I'm doing those, okay? But here's the bottom line. You know what God's nature is? Life. He is life. And there is no life apart for him. And so literally, what the passage that we read was that God has given us his promises, that we can participate in his nature rather than our nature. What is our nature? We go with how we feel and think. God's nature is everything that is life. So how many of you guys know the, 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 the Great Commission? Go into all the world to, to uh, make disciples, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and to teach them to obey everything that I have commanded you. My whole life, I thought that was the 10 commandments. Teach them everything I've commanded you you know, there's a Bible verse, it's John six sixty three that says Jesus is talking to his disciples and he says to them, everything that I've spoken to you, it is spirit and it is life. So you wanna know what he's saying to his disciples? You gotta go into all the world and you gotta teach them how to obey everything that I have spoken to you that is spirit and that is life. Why? Because their whole life, before they were my disciple, they went with how they felt and thought. And now that they're my disciple, yes, their spirit is alive. And yes, it's been whole. Let me back up and say it this way. When you gave your life to Christ, do you want to know what happened? Your spirit was saved. The Greek word is said so. It means we made whole. For by grace, you are saved through faith. It is not by works. No one can boast. In that moment, your spirit is made whole. It even says in Ephesians 2, it says it's now seated in the heavenlies, Okay? So guess what? Because of that, the Bible promises that one day your body will be saved. In the twinkling of an eye, that which is imper- uh, uh, perishable will become imperishable. That which is corruptible will become incorruptible. You will be, your body will be made whole. But guess what? In this lifetime, you want to know what now needs to happen? Your soul needs to be made whole. So that's why when you read scripture, sometimes it makes it sound like saved is a past tense thing. Sometimes saved is an ongoing thing. Sometimes it sounds like you're going to be saved in the future. Have you ever thought about that? The reason why is you got to know which part of your, your body, soul, and spirit it's referring to. So I don't do anything to save my spirit. It's done. It's whole. My body, the promise is it's going to be made whole. But I have this life and God wants to use the word of God. This is the sanctifying process to make your soul whole. How does it make my soul whole? Don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What's the pattern of this world? Everybody goes with how they feel and think. To be transformed by the renewing of your mind is to get your mind to stop going with how you feel and think and have your spirit mature enough that in the circumstances of life, you go with the spirit, all things that are spirit in life, rather than with how you feel and think. Are you guys tracking all this? So listen to me. It doesn't matter how long you've been in church. The older that you get, the more rotten you get. (laughs) And I'm telling you, that's why there's a movie called Dirty Rotten Scoundrels and Grumpy Old Men. Okay, I'm not dissing on you. It is our flesh. It's who we are. I cannot disciple my flesh. You got to understand that. Because I've been in church my whole life, and most people, this is how I describe them, as hearers of the word but not doers of the word. They have a form of godliness, but they have no power in their life. And the reason is because they've just been coming to church, and they just think by coming to church, the older they get, the more godly they're going to get. And the problem is, you're just going to get more rotten. I'm only going to get more rotten. You literally have to learn how to go with the Spirit in all things, Because your nature is you're gonna go with how you feel and think. And there's times where you go, why did I do that? It's because that's how you felt in that moment and how you thought, and you were deceived. And so the Bible says, you wanna know how you're gonna go with God's nature, which is all things spirit and life, and not, the way you're gonna go with it is you're gonna go with the promises of God. So number three is the promises of God, okay? Now, this right here, this is the promise of all things that pertain to life and peace, okay? If you did not have this, you wouldn't know what life was for, right? Would we know what eternity was about? Would we know who God is? Would we know how to do a marriage? Would we know how to raise children? Literally, look, this is the promise of all things that pertain to life. Not the book I wrote, not the book that anybody else wrote. This right here, when Jesus was with his disciples and he's saying, go into all the world, teach them to obey everything I commanded you. He wasn't thinking, okay, we got to start this discipleship process. I can't wait for 2000 years when all these Christian books will come out. (laughs) Everything, this is the promise of all things that pertain to life, okay? Everything in it from cover to cover, it is filled with promises. Every truth, And every commandment, it is there for you that when the circumstances of life come, you would respond to the promise rather than the circumstance. Most of us have read our Bible our whole life to gain knowledge. And God didn't give this to you for you to gain knowledge. He gave it to you so you would learn how to respond in the circumstances of life. I told you I have five children. There isn't a single thing I tell them for them to argue it. You want to know why I tell them it? Because it's going to bring them life. It's going to protect them from hurt and heartache, right? It's going to give them peace if they would just trust me and obey rather than arguing it. But most circles I've been in, we want to argue doctrine and go, what do you think about that? Well, I don't understand that. Well, this is what I think about that rather than just walking in it, okay? So I'm going to give you a couple examples of how you do this. When you read the word of God, stop trying to, to learn it so that you can argue it. Every truth in God's word, it is there, but you don't get it if you don't receive it with a full heart of gratitude, okay? Like, for example, let me give you a truth from God's word. First John 1.9 says what? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, is that a truth or a commandment? It's a truth, but guess What? You don't get it unless you receive it with a full heart of gratitude. There is no truth in God's word that if you don't receive it with a full heart of gratitude, you don't get it. Forgiveness, even though forgiveness is offered to you, if you don't receive it, if you don't receive it in here, you don't get it. I was uh, in Cleveland, Ohio uh, speaking and afterwards this guy came up to me and, and was just, had guilt all over his face and he said, I'm not a good dad. I go, why, why aren't you a good dad? And he, he dropped his head and he said, because uh, I used to abuse my children. And uh, I said, are you still doing that? And he said, no, three years ago, I gave my life to Christ. And I have not touched them. I've not said verbally anything. I've asked their forgiveness, but, but I am a horrible dad and I live in shame over this area. And so I said, okay, First John 1, says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So what I want you to do is I want you to take that to him in prayer right now and I want you to receive it. And so he prayed. And after we prayed, he said, I looked at him and I said, his name was Brian. I go, Brian, I want you to know the Lord forgives you and you're a good dad. Can you receive that? And he goes, I just can't receive that. I go, why can't you receive that? He goes, because I just don't feel like that I can receive that because of all the things I've done in my life. And I said, Brian, stop. What's your authority? Is your authority what you feel or is your authority the word of God? And he goes, it's the word of God. Well, you're not talking to me like it's your authority. You're talking to me like your authority is your feelings. You guys, you understand? We go with our feelings all the time. I don't feel like that. No, I didn't say what you feel. You got to receive it. That's what faith is. Do you know what? We live by faith, not by sight. Living by sight means I go with what I can experience, what I can measure, what I can understand. Faith means acting on the promises of God. So Brian, what I want you to do is I want you to receive it. God's word says that he forgives you. Can you receive that? I want you to say, I receive it. And he literally bowed his head and go, Lord, I just received that, that you forgive me. And literally tears began to flow because all of a sudden, he had received this truth that was in his head and moved it to his spirit. That's what God wants you to do with all of his word. Move it from here to here. Okay, here's a commandment. Colossians 3.1 says, clothe yourself with kindness, gentleness, compassion. It goes on to say, put on love. Okay, commandments. God's word is full of them. Every commandment in God's word is a promise. Why? Because God wouldn't command you to do something if it wouldn't bring you life and peace, Right? So can you do that? You can't, okay? Um, one of the biggest things that I've struggled with in my life has been forgiveness. Because for me, I grew up in church, it's been all the Christians that have hurt me. And there have been some things in my life where I've just really struggled with letting go of that. But there's a commandment in God's word, Romans 13, 14, that says, do not indulge in evil desires, but clothe yourself in the presence of the Lord. My evil desire is to let them know what they did and how it was wrong. My desire is to hate them in my spirit, to have anger. And it's my right to hold on to that. Well, the Bible, the promise is this. Don't indulge in that evil desire. Clothe yourself in the presence of the Lord. Well, guess what? There's no commandment in God's word that I can do in my own power, can I? So guess what? That's something I need to ask him for. So Lord, I come to you right now and I ask you to clothe me with your presence. I ask you to put compassion and kindness and love in me because I don't love those people. I don't want to indulge in that evil desire. And so I give this to you. This is the process of what it means to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. Okay, the reason why I'm telling you all this is because in Philippians 4, 6, it says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, whatever the circumstance, bring everything in prayer through supplication and with thanksgiving. Supplication is asking by faith. Thanksgiving is receiving with a thankful heart. And you want to know what the promise is if you do that? The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and mind. It'll guard guard your feeler and your thinker. Because see, in the circumstances of life, what I'm saying to you right now about God's promises, God doesn't promise you because you come to him and pray about something, that all of a sudden your circumstance is going to change, does it? He does promise you that even when you're in the circumstance, spiritual maturity is if you learn how to, to put his promises in you, And all I'm doing today is talking to you about the importance of hiding God's word in your heart and going after the word of God and learning how to receive it in your spirit rather than just getting head knowledge and changing the way you read the Bible is what God wants you to come to in a place as though it might not be well with your circumstances, it's well with your soul. And why is it well with your soul? Is because your soul is going with your spirit rather than your circumstances. Okay, now, in this room, I guarantee you there's a lot of circumstances going on right now. There are some of you right now that you have a circumstance right now that's going on in your life that I even prayed that there's a broken relationship in your family. I understand that. I have a brother that was my best friend that I have not spoken to for two years because of some stuff that's happened in our family where he left his wife and children. And there's nothing more that I want than to have unity with him again and for God to move in his life. That is a circumstance that I'm having to trust God for. Some of you right now, you're going through a situation where there is a health concern. There is a situation where God, the, the doctor has spoken something over you or your family, and it's causing all kinds of fear. And it has become this huge mountain. There's a, some of you, you guys have a circumstance where right now you need a job or there's a financial situation going on. And no matter what the circumstance is, God, and I'm, I'm telling you, he is more concerned in what he wants to do in you. He knows. He, he has something for you. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not into your own, own ways. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll make your path straight. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Guys, all these are promises. God's word is full of promises. And in those things, God wants to speak to you. 1 Peter 5.10, you wanna know what it says? God has qualified you to share in his inheritance, but you will go through suffering. And when you do, he will support you. He will strengthen you. He will, uh, what's the next thing? He will restore and he will establish. You know what that's saying? No matter what's, and I've gone through it many, many times in my life. What he's saying is when you go through the things you're going through, and it's a promise, It's when you're going through it, he will support you. He will strengthen you. There are gonna be some things that you think are taken away from you and he's gonna restore. But then he's gonna establish. He's gonna settle you, as some translations say. God wants to bring you into a place where he settles you in areas that have never been settled before. But it's gonna go through some things. But God has given you everything you need for life and for godliness. And I wanna end with the greatest promise of all. And that is that Jesus Christ came. He lived a perfect life and he died on the cross for your sins. And he offers forgiveness no matter what has been in your life. And he offers a new life and he gives you the ability to have your spirit come to life so you no longer have to go with how you feel and think. But do you know how you get that promise? like every other promise in scripture, asking and receiving by saying, Jesus, I thank you that you died on the cross for my sin, that you rose from the grave and that you offer new life for me. And so I am asking you by faith, this is the asking part, I'm asking you to come into my life. I'm asking you to be my Lord. And I'm asking you to give me the Holy Spirit so that I can live this life. Okay, the same way that you move the knowledge of salvation from your head to your heart is the same way God wants to move all the rest of Scripture from your head to your heart. All right? And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask the worship team to come up here. And even as they do, I'm just going to ask you, and and I'm going to go ahead and, and if you're a part of the altar team to come up, just say, what is the Holy Spirit saying to you? And if there's a circumstance in your life, what we want to do is we want to pray for you. Why? Because the Bible says in all things in prayer, whether it's in supplication or thanksgiving, bring all your requests to God, and God wants to bring you to a place of peace. Now, guess what? God also answers prayer. And he, he is the healer, right? Right? So he heals. That's not, his, that's not like an adjective, like sometimes I'm funny, sometimes I'm not. When it says that God is healer, guess what? That's who he is all the time. But what he wants me to come to a place is I am more wanting the healer than the healing. I'm wanting more the provider than the provision you understand that? Because God wants you to understand that your peace, your wholeness is not going to come from the circumstance. Your wholeness is going to come from Him. And He wants to guard your feeler and your thinker. That you have the ability to walk as it says in in Ephesians 6 with the shoes fitted with the gospel of peace. Why? Because when I'm going through the things in my life, you want to know what separates me from my neighbors and everybody else? Is I can walk through it. And I can walk through it with wholeness and that's the testimony to a lost world but what is God what's going on in your life right now and what is God wanting to speak to you about okay so even as we we worship uh, if you have a circumstance in your life or maybe you're like I want to take that promise I want to give my life to Christ uh, would you come come forward alright so let's do that actually let me pray or you want to pray You go for it. I'm going to pray over you guys right now, okay? So Heavenly Father, I just pray right now that you would draw every person. Lord, you are speaking through your word, through your spirit, to each heart. And Lord, I pray that we would respond, that we'd be tender, that we'd be humble. Your word promises that you oppose the proud, but you give grace to the humble. I need grace, Lord. I need all the grace I can get. And Lord, I pray right now that you would speak a draw in Jesus name we pray amen
0: thank you for listening to this week's podcast from the church at Bushland we exist to help people know God find freedom discover purpose and make a difference we hope you will stay connected by following the ministry on Facebook and Instagram by using the church at Bushland and on Twitter by using at TCA Bushland.